Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Well, let's just start by saying that's a hard number to even get our minds around. We're not talking about 7,000. We're not talking about 700,000. We're talking about seven. Point one million people, and let me just give a back, uh, kind of a backstory of leading up to that. Uh, this past uh, June, I was able to give a report on behalf of the Disciple Making Task Force, which was appointed by the North American Mission Board, uh, which is, for those who don't know, uh, I'm a Southern Baptist pastor, and we have a uh, a mission board that plants churches, revitalizes churches in North America. And uh, after talking with Kevin Ezell, who's the president of the ministry, about the lack of disciple-making in our convention. And here's the thing, Chris, it's not just in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, it's in every convention. It's in every denomination. I would say whatever denomination you're a part of, if you begin to pop the hood and kind of look under the hood or, or open the curtain and see what's behind uh, the curtain, you're going to find out that the same thing is happening in all religions, all denominations. So uh, here, here's what we, what we did. For two years, we put together a team, uh, a team of a number of pastors, denominational leaders from all over the country. We met four times, uh, I think five times if you do the Skype call, just thinking through uh, why we are not making disciples in the Southern Baptist Convention. And I think it's kind of a trickle-down uh, spillover effect to other denominations as well. And here's what we found out. There are a number of factors. And we, we polled a lot of different people. I mean, this is, a, this is an overwhelming task. 46,000 churches are in the Southern Baptist Convention. A couple churches. Yeah, I'm, and, and listen, we're, we boast a lot of members, but we decided not to just go after those who are members. Why? Because the FBI couldn't find half the members. <laughs> so we say, listen. Hey, yeah, hey, I remember back in the day when, when you would ask the question, how many members does your church have? Yeah. And, uh, and the answer would be like, you know, 50,000 members. Well, how many are coming? Oh, about 1,500. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we're a little yeah. bit better than that. Now we talk about average weekly attendance, so real people that show up. Yeah, real, pe- <laughs> real people that show up. Well, here's what's funny. When I came to Long Hollow, I met somebody uh, recently uh, after I'd gotten here at the store, and uh, I- I've been here like six months at the time, and uh, I was inviting them to church, and I said, hey, listen, would you? Uh, do you have a church home? And they said, no, 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 we do have a church home. I said, really? And uh, they say, oh, yeah, our church home is Long Hollow. I said, really? And uh, the lady said, yeah. I said, when was the last time you've been? She said, uh, it's been a little while. I said, well, I'm the new pastor. She said, really? I said, yeah, I've been here six months. Well, apparently you haven't been. Well, the the sad thing about the 7 million, though, is we are actually talking about average weekly attendance in these churches Yes, up against the baptisms that have happened. So over 20, just to be clear, over 20 years since 1997, I believe the numbers from 96 97. till now have shown that we have baptized 7.1 million, 7.155 million people have been baptized in Southern Baptist churches. In 20 years. And at that same time, weekly average attendance, we're not talking membership here, we're talking weekly average attendance has gone from 5 million. 224,000. To 5 million. 200,000. <laughs> so in essence, we've actually lost a few people and ultimately certainly didn't gain 7 million, didn't even gain a million, didn't gain well, 500,000. Here's what we found. Yeah, here's the numbers. Let's just kind of reiterate because it's kind of hard to, to, to get your mind around this. 
1997, we found, and these these are numbers from the annual church profile. So these are people who are reporting, and this is valid. Uh, supported numbers. This is not just pie in the sky. You know, how many you had in an event? Uh, ministerially speaking, 2,000. Well, <laughs> right. actually, you had 1,252, we counted. But anyway, these are actual <laughs> right. numbers, right? 5,224,000 people were in, in the weekly gatherings of Southern Baptist churches as a whole on the year. 20 years later, Chris, we baptized 7.1 million people. Okay, that's a lot of people, 7.1 million people. So naturally, you'd think, well, our convention would grow weekly in attendance to what? Just conservatively, I would say 5 million. By 5 million. Yeah, yeah. so we'd be at 10. Sure. But but if you count all the people, we'd be over 12. Exactly. Okay, yes. but let's say 5 million conservatively, right? Guess what happened after 20 years? No growth. I, we, I know the answer. We grew by negative 24,000 people. We actually lost 24,000 people. So if you take in the mortality rate, and some people say, well, what about people die? People, yeah, well, well, that's true. That's about 6.5 million people still that we baptize who are still here, who we should grow by. And we actually lost 24,000 people. So the statistics are there. Uh, the numbers are as good as we can expect them to be in any type of large organization in terms of what we're reporting here with the 7 million. Here's the question. How did we lose those 7 million people? This is a complex answer, but I think one of the reasons. Now, do we need to be more evangelistic in sharing the gospel? Absolutely. Do we need to see more people baptized? Uh, We'd like to see more people baptized? Absolutely. Should we be fervent in baptizing and and reaching people? Absolutely. But you, you know as well as I do. It's a whole lot easier, and we talked about this recently, to retain a customer mm-hmm. than it is to acquire a new customer. If we just decided to get serious about discipling the people we already have. Wow. Before you even go on, <laughs> even now, I know there are people listening, probably me five years ago, where you know hackles would go up. Wait a second. Is he saying we just turn inward and we you know facilitate only those we have and we and and just I know you've said it like three times, but let's yeah. say it a fourth time because I, I honestly think people sadly live in these two camps. You're either super evangelistic and everything else is secondary, or you're super discipleship focused and everything else is secondary. Okay, this is, brings up a great point, Chris. This is the challenge, and I've been reading about this recently. This is the challenge with our Western mindset. And and keep in mind, we are Westerners, we have inherited inherited this from our Roman ancestors ancestors and our Greek ancestors. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's who we are. Westerners think on one hand. Okay. So it's either black or white. Right. It's, uh, it's either now or future. It's either A or B. We cannot think on two hands, right? It's either God chose you or you chose God. It's either Coke or Pepsi. That's right. It's It's either either Chevy or Ford. What about Coke Zero? (laughs) That's that's under the Coke umbrella. Okay, that's your Coke Zero. Your Coke. That's right. That's true. Sorry, are you, are sorry. you a Pepsi man or a Coke man? Coke for sure. Come really? On. Are there really any Pepsi people out I there? I actually that's like question. Pepsi. No, I do like on. Pepsi. <laughs> I, do, I like to change it up sometimes. Nobody really likes Pepsi. <laughs> I'm sure there are people listening who like Pepsi. Okay, it's true. But here's the reality: for an Eastern mindset, the way Jesus thought, the way Jesus taught all the disciples, Old Testament uh, saints, here's how they thought. They thought with an Eastern mindset, which thinks on two hands, 
Okay. So on the one hand and on the other hand, that's why when you ask a man in the Eastern culture, watch this, did God choose you or did you choose God? Guess what he says? What does he say? <laughs> he I, said, don't know, I don't even know what he He says yes to both. Okay. He says yes. Yeah, he, he says, says yes. yes. Yes, God chose me and I chose God. That's an Eastern way to think of it. So, so when we talk about evangelism and discipleship, we have to really work in our Western mind to stop thinking. And, and like you brought up this point, so good. Stop thinking they are against each other. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're not combative. They're, they're not uh, edging for who's right and who's wrong. That's, that's the challenge we have in the church. We have the discipleship camp and we have the evangelism camp. Right. Those camps didn't exist in Jesus' day. Jesus said, go make disciples. You do that by baptizing as you lead people to the Lord and by teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. It's under the same umbrella, right? So I think the challenge for us is we have focused so much of our time trying to get people saved, trying to get people baptized, that we have invested all of our energy on the front end and we have forgot about growing people in the maturity and the image of Christ on the back end. So when you boil it down, you would say, and obviously I agree, we have evangelized, and I don't want to say well, because there's uh, millions of people who have not been evangelized in America. Um, so we, ha- we have a lot of people in America. We have 8 billion around the world. Evangelism. Uh, I-, I don't know that we can sit back and say, man, we're doing a great job at evangelism right now. No. I would actually say we're probably not. But ultimately, leading 7 million people to Christ in the course of 20 years, whether you would say that's good or that's bad, obviously we all want to do more evangelism. Uh, the problem is not necessarily that we have reaches. Because here's what you're saying. If we evangelize another 7 million in the next one, let's, let's say we do way better. Let's we baptize ten million. Yes. In the next twenty years. Yeah. But we change nothing about our process. That's ten million more people. We we essentially will lose. And that's a stewardship issue. I mean, think about this. We we are bringing people into an already, in a sense, broken paradigm. Okay. Because here here here's the mindset. Think about this. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to borrow a word from a guy on our task force. Kevin Smith gave me this word. I love this word. Kevin Smith is a a director up in the uh, East Coast. Here's what he said. He said, for far too long, we have been decisionistic in our approach when we need to move to a more disciplistic approach. I love that. Yeah. Decisionistic. Here and now, now or never, today's the day, give your life to Jesus. Right. Which is is true, all true. But that a disciplistic approach says we need to now help you grow into the image of Christ. So here here's what we're, here's what you're asking because this is the question you've been asking since we started. What can we do for the next 20 years to avoid what's happened for the past 20 years? Now, we can't we can't make it up to the people who have no longer been participating in our churches and people we no longer know. So we can't sure. change the past. Don't mean to throw right. heaping coals on your head so you feel bad. But we can change the future. So our task force met for 2 years. And we said, what can we do like like a lead measure to change the future? Chris, you know the difference between lead and lag measures, yeah. right? So let me explain it to those who are listening. Uh, a lead measure is something that we can do today, which would have change for tomorrow. Okay, so it's like a it's like an action step we can take, or it's uh, something we can measure today to change tomorrow. A lag measure is something that happened six months, three months, a year ago which we're measuring today, which we have no change. We can't do anything about today, but we just look at what happened. It's a result of what happened already. Yeah. Give give an example. In the church, 
What is a lag measure? Uh, attendance. Attendance. Lag measure. What's another one? Um, giving. Giving. That's the big one. So, so you've been in churches like this and ministries like this. When the pastor looks at the budget and the budget's down and you think, oh man. And so the pastor gets up, folks need to be giving. You're not giving enough. The biblical command to give, you need to give more. Well, you can sound a five alarm fire because the budget's down, but that was a problem, brother pastor, that happened or an issue, a systemic issue of something that happened months ago, years ago, right? So you're seeing the results. It's kind of like stock, uh, the stock market. I used to be a stockbroker in training. I took the Series 7 test years ago. Thank God. I did not pass the Series 7 test in the mid- middle of my drug addiction. There's no t- I probably wouldn't be here today, but I took the Series 7 test. The guy who trained me, Chris, said, I have trained 17 guys. Every one of them have passed. Wow. And, and told me. And then he met you. <laughs> now, what I didn't tell him was it's probably not good to take the Series 7 test on Oxycontin. But probably not going to be a, a successful outcome. No, right? that probably well, well, before we move into, so I, I get what you're saying here. Before we move into just kind of the final summary of how we can look at what happened. We can't change the past, like you said, but what can we do moving forward? What are some things we can Here's think the lead through? Uh, let, let's talk about an event we have coming up this September. Okay, okay. I'm very excited about it. September 2018, uh, we have an event called Spark. It's a, it's called the Spark Conference. If you want to go all in, just Spark or Spark Conference. Uh, the website <laughs> is spark18.org, spark18.org. And I just wanted you just briefly, very briefly, if I'm a pastor, if I'm a church leader, why would I want want to come to spark. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been listening to this podcast and you've probably been thinking, man, I need to do something about this. I'd love to see this happen in in my own church, in my own life. Spark is an opportunity for you to come and hear from some of the greatest disciple makers around. Uh, We have an amazing line. In fact, this is the best lineup I think we've had since we've done it. I agree. No, we've only done it it once. We've only done it once. (laughs) It's our second time, but we've already one-upped ourselves. Yeah, right. Now, not that not that last year wasn't great, but this year last we year have great. we have James McDonald, James, amazing Bible teacher. But man, he has a heart for raising up the next generation right. of church planners and leaders. Ravi Zacharias, Ravi. So we're going to have Ravi Gallaty as well. Yeah. So we're going to have Ravi and Ravi. Yeah. Nobody cares about Ravi Gallaty, but <laughs> Ravi Zacharias. I'd mention he'd be there as well. That's right. Ravi, I'm looking forward to Ravi. Man, Ravi's going to teach about the importance of the word and apologetics and wow. discipleship. That's something like we don't that. think about a lot. That's going to be great. Johnny Hunt. Everybody Johnny's loves awesome. Johnny Hunt, Pastor John. Eric Geiger. Geiger's I great. I mean, one of the greatest minds of leadership and discipleship. He's a genius. I honestly believe he's a genius. He could be a genius. Oh, we love Eric Geiger. And Eric's going to be there. Don't tell him I said that. Okay, he may, he may listen to this. But here's the thing. We're going to have the, the, these great disciple-making teachers, but here's the beauty of Spark. It's not just hearing great information because we know information doesn't equal transformation. We're going to put you in an environment where you're going to network with other disciple makers from around the country. We're going to share ideas. You're going to learn from one another. And you're going to be able to implement a plan, we believe, when you leave the conference. And really, it's just throwing fire on the movement. That's why we call it Spark. You're going to come and participate with other disciple makers from around the globe, and you're going to participate in this movement of disciple making that we think is going to really take over Christianity. We pray that it takes over Christianity where it becomes a part of your ministry, sure. not just a piece that you add to the ministry. So if you're interested in that, uh, it'd be great for you and your team to come if possible, September 27th through 28th. 
2018 Nashville at Long Hollow. That uh, you can go online to register spark 18 dot org and you get and we get to hang out I mean, for, we, that's the bigger thing we we get get to, you can say hey i hear you uh I, sometimes i laugh more often than not i make fun but ultimately we would love to see you guys there so to wrap up and that, well, let's say this that's a lead measure chris that's, well, that's a right. lead measure that's right that is taking a step in your own personal life to so see there's a different outcome down the road down the road okay let's finish the lead measures because then what we'll do is next episode we're going to tell you what we found after two years of research is That's the right. lead measure. But let me finish explaining the lead measures. The stock market is a lead measure, meaning right. if the stock market declines today, it's an indicator that the economy, the economy is going to decline six months from now, right? So it's a kind of a lead measure. What are lead measures in the church? I'm going to give you an example. Years ago, I was ready to throw in the towel on Replicate. And uh, I had we had had the ministry gone since 2008. This was 2012, the year before my first book. Uh, the, well, it's the second or third book, but it was the first real uh, book that encapsulated discipleship. Right. Growing up came out. I, I didn't write it yet. Didn't have it written. And uh, I was ready to throw in the towel. We we had been doing Chris some conferences, but really no traction. We didn't yeah. have a we didn't have a goal. We didn't have a pathway back then. Um, and so I was ready to throw in the towel. And I met a guy by the name of Dave Warland. Dave Warland at the time was the president of the National Christian uh, Charity Foundation. So what he did is he oversaw uh, the assets of millions and millions of dollars of Christian philanthropists. Wow. Okay, so these are Christian philanthropists, the guys that had tons of money who were Christians, and he kind of helped them invest the money. He left that ministry to come to Chattanooga. And we got a connected meeting, and so we met for lunch. And here's what Dave Warland told me. Dave said, I don't think you can give up the ministry. He said, the ministry is not even about you. It's way bigger than you. It's about the kingdom of God. He said, you have to figure out what the lead measures are in your ministry to make a difference long-term because you're gauging lag measures. Hmm. See, in the church, we gauge attendance. Uh, we yeah. gauge budgets, giving, decisions. decisions, baptisms. Those are lag measures from things that happened years ago or months ago. I said, well, give me an example. He said, I was meeting with Campus Crusade for Christ. Here's what he told me. I've never forgotten this. He said, I was meeting with one of the leaders of Campus Crusade for Christ, and they were trying to figure out how do we get more people to attend the weekly gatherings in order to see people saved? Because right. he said, our salvations in the weekly gathering are diminishing. People are not getting saved like they used to. And Dave looks at this guy and says, how many lunches are your leaders having every week? He said, lunches. He said, I have no clue. <laughs> How many? He said, I don't know what they're eating, where they're eating, even if they're eating with people. He said, that's what you need to figure out. And, and the guy naturally said, why? He said, because here's what you got to understand. When your leaders who are on Campus Crusade staff start having weekly or daily lunches with students, it opens the door for gospel conversations. And then when you have rapport with a student, then you have a gospel conversation. A gospel conversation will open the door for an invitation to a weekly gathering. A weekly gathering attendance will open the door to hear the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, they attend a gathering, people get saved. So he said, here's your problem. You're gauging lag measures, attendance. That's something you can't control. But what you can control is how many individual weekly lunches you're having. He said, here's what you need to figure out in your organization, in your church. How many lead measures 
are you gauging? And so I don't know what the lead measures are for you personally, if you're listening, but that's what we need to do. So next week, I'm going to give you the book that you need to read, which changed everything for me. But I'm also going to give you what the lead measure is, Chris, for what we believe. Are you going to make me wait a full week? Well, we're going to have to. (laughs) Here's the thing. But you're going to figure out what the lead measure is to stop from happening what happened 20 years, and that is losing 7.1 million people. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.